Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. So, uh, if we're following the liturgical calendar, today is not necessarily Mother's Day. What I mean by that is Mother's Day is not particularly a holiday that is relished or worshipped or acknowledged in the church calendar. It's a hallmark holiday. And it's not an unimportant one, though. It's not one of those that I think we ought to ignore. It's important for us to recognize the input and the gifts and the blessings and the benefits of our moms. And, and at, a, at a time when things are odd, it is important for us, I think, to pause and remember the important relationships that we have in our lives and reflect on our moms. So we're going to pause for a week and move out of First Peter and look at a story where we discover Jesus interacting with a mom. It comes from Matthew chapter 8. It's where Peter interacted with, uh, or Jesus interacted with Peter's mother-in-law. Cue the mother-in-law jokes. I mean, right? Uh, in fact, in preparation for this sermon, I read a few mother-in-law jokes. I thought about sharing a few mother-in-law jokes. I decided against it. Uh, not a good idea. Let me say something. I realize that Mother's Day is a day that is wonderful in the life of many homes. You think about a wife who has been a godly mother to your children. You think about a mom that, in, that poured influence into your lives for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus. So it's a wonderful day to remember. It's a wonderful day to reflect. For some of us, it's not always that easy because our mother has passed away. For others, there's a broken relationship with a mom or a broken relationship with a child. And so Mother's Day creates in it a tension and a sorrow and a sadness. For some of us, that tension is interrelational in terms of our marriage relationships. I have a wonderful relationship with my mother-in-law, but not every family is blessed to have wonderful relationships with in-laws. And so this day in your life comes with a little bit of mixed blessings. There's some things to rejoice about, and then there are some tensions that you know are going to take place. There's some brokenness in your heart. There's some sadness. There's some sorrow. There's some difficulty. That happens with those who are yet to be married and who long to be moms, or for those who are married and long to be moms, and God hasn't answered that request. And so what I want to do, and what I think God wants us to do today, is to open up a passage of Scripture that's going to give us some encouragement. This is a story where Jesus stopped and intervened in what would appear to be a kind of a small way, but with a gloriously large and wonderful impact. So we're going to read this story, and we're going to look at four encouragements that we discover from Jesus' interaction with Peter's mother-in-law. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, who took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Before we dive into Jesus' interaction here, this little story provides an interesting theological affirmation. It tells us that Peter uh, was married. 
Why is that important? Well, we're Protestant or Baptist by tradition. We don't follow Roman Catholic tradition. The Roman Catholic tradition, priests should remain celibate and not be married. And they use Peter as their first pope, their first example. Well, ironically enough, their first pope was a pope who was married, who, was not, who did not remain celibate. And so I, I would say that in terms of one clear affirmation. It is important for us to grasp our authority from what the Scripture says, not what we think we would like the Scripture to say. Scripture is our authority. Now, to get into the story... I want you to notice four encouragements, four things that Jesus did that are beautiful and that I trust will encourage you as you're here tonight, as you're watching this morning from your home, or as you're worshiping with us. Here's the first one. Jesus came. Jesus came. Did you catch this? When Jesus entered Peter's house. Put in context, chapter 7 finishes up the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus, for three chapters, at least of Matthew's gospel, had been teaching on the mountain, sharing truth, helping the disciples and his followers and those that were listening grasp the importance of what was taking place in terms of the kingdom of God and how to make sure you knew God. Then he interacted with a leper and healed a leper. Then he moved in chapter 8 to heal a servant of a centurion. And that centurion showed great faith. He was, in, he was not, a, not a Jew, he was a Gentile, and he showed great faith. And Jesus commended him for his faith. And then we have this little three-verse or four-verse paragraph where Jesus comes to Peter's house. And it's something that we ought not lose sight of, that Jesus came. I don't know exactly why he came to Peter's house. The text doesn't tell us. But we can assume, I think rightly, or we can imagine rightly, that, that Peter had listened to Jesus preach a bunch. He had certainly followed Jesus. He had committed his life to Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, Peter and Jesus had been on this preaching tour and they had been away for days or maybe had been away for weeks. Or, or maybe it was just for an afternoon. I don't know. But we can imagine that Peter looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, would you, would you come dine at my house today? Would you, would you come to where I live and, and see my family? Would you, would you meet my wife? Uh, would, you, would you come in our home? And, and I want you to get this. Jesus came to where Peter was and where Peter's mother-in-law was and where his wife was and where his family was. Jesus came. Now, theologically, this is a tremendously important point throughout all of Scripture. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you will discover that God came down. He came down to walk with Adam and Eve. You'll discover if you go all the way forward into the New Testament, the book of Revelation, Jesus will come down on a white horse. And you look at the gospel accounts, Jesus came down to be God incarnate in human flesh, to deal with our sufferings, to experience our difficulties, and ultimately to be our Savior and redeem us. And that would not have happened had not Jesus come down to us. So theologically, we get that. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came into this world to save those who are lost. He said that. He affirmed that. Jesus came for all. But sometimes I think when we in the church use that phrase, Jesus came for all, we forget that he came for individuals. We forget sometimes that he came for us. I want you to grasp this. If you invite Jesus, he's going to come to you. He came to a person, to a family, to a home at an invitation. 
He didn't turn him down. He didn't say, I'm too busy. I've got a world to be sovereignly in control of. He didn't look at Peter and say, I'm too busy to come to your house because I've got more sermons I've got to preach on the mountain. I'm too busy. I've got to go pray. I'm too busy. There are too many people to heal. I can't come to your house for a meal because I've got too much going on. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus came. He came to be with Peter and to be with Peter's family in that glorious moment. Let me say something to those of you that are watching for a moment. If you've not trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, Jesus will come into your life at your invitation. Now, I want to qualify this. I don't think we can just get saved when we want to, meaning that we're not the ones in control of our salvation experience. Salvation happens when the Holy Spirit of God convicts us and draws us and brings us to a point of confession and repentance. But when we get to that point and we invite Jesus in, he's not going to turn us down. He will come into our lives and save us and forgive us when we invite him. And Jesus came. And I would beg of you, if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, at some point today, invite Jesus into your life. Invite Jesus to be your Lord and your leader. And you know what Jesus will do? Jesus, the glorious, wonderful King of kings, Lord of lords, the God of the universe, the one who rules over everything, will come and meet you personally and individually right where you are. Jesus came. I want you to catch this. Jesus didn't just come. Jesus noticed. Catch this. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law sick with a fever. He saw. As I was thinking about this passage of Scripture and, and thinking about Jesus interacting, we know that, that Jesus knows all, right? He's God. He didn't have to go to Peter's house to know what was going on. Now, we could debate, you know, how much Jesus experienced the limitations of deity when he was in his humanity. And we certainly know that there were some of those in place that, that he surrendered to intentionally. He, he became human, so he left aside some of the glories of being God for those moments. He wasn't less God. He just left aside some of those privileges as evidenced by statements like, Jesus doesn't know when he's going to return. Only the Father knows. Jesus affirmed that. Jesus couldn't be in multiple places at once physically in his human state. I I mean, there are some limitations. So I, I don't know whether he knew Peter's mother-in-law was sick or he didn't know Peter's mother-in-law was sick till he arrived. I don't know whether Peter knew that. I, I mean, you can imagine if they're gone for several days. If, if, if I were gone for several days, I have a phone where I can text my wife what's going on and we're very rarely out of contact with each other, right? And we know what's going on. And you can imagine if this were the 21st century, Peter's wife may have texted Peter and say, hey, you're with Jesus. Jesus heals people. Uh, and you know what? My mom's sick. Will you bring her to bring Jesus to my mom and, and he'll heal her? But they didn't have that technology. So if they were gone for days or if they were gone for weeks, Peter might have been as surprised as anybody else to see his mother-in-law at his house. I mean, if I came home and my mother-in-law were at my house, I might be a little surprised. I mean, right? I love my mother-in-law. There are some things that she does that is wonderful. This is a good place for this mother-in-law aside. She, she really is. She's wonderful. She gets our boys in a way that very few others get them. Gifts that she'll get our boys are things I would never think about. And you know what? Our boys love those gifts. She just gets them. Uh, my mother-in-law has a compassion streak 
that is glorious. She will take in lame dogs and feral cats and any animal that she can imagine to make sure that that animal has a place and a home and is cared for. In fact, one time she mounted a squirrel that she hit with a car. Seriously, no lie. She just loves animals. She's compassionate. But I'll be honest with you, if I go home tonight, my mother-in-law's at my house, I'm going to be surprised. Didn't expect this. Thanks for coming. You can have the boys. I'm going on a date. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know whether Peter was surprised to find his mother-in-law there, but I want you to get this. Jesus walked in and saw her. He didn't overlook her. He didn't ignore her. He didn't miss her. He saw her. He walked in and looked at where she was lying with a fever and noticed her. I think one of the most beautiful things about Jesus' interactions in the Gospels is that he never misses the individual for the multitudes. He never misses the one person that needs his touch for the thousands more that need his ministry. He never misses the individuals. He looked down and he saw Peter's mother-in-law with that fever in that moment in that situation. I want to tell you something. There are some of you here that you think you're overlooked. Somebody doesn't notice you. Somebody hasn't been paying attention to you. You're taken advantage of. I want to tell you something. Jesus is not that person. Jesus sees you right where you are, right with what you're going through in every circumstance that you're facing. He notices people. Jesus sees you in your broken relationships. Jesus sees you in the scars that that person left behind. Jesus sees you when you are on the mountaintop and everything is going right and you're walking with him and you're at peace with him. He sees you in that moment. He knows where you are. He cares about you in that moment. But I want to tell you this, when you're in the valley and nothing is going right and every tear that you cry, nobody else pays attention to you, Jesus sees those tears He sees where you are. He sees what you're going through. He notices. He is not unaware. He sees you. He cares about you. He loves you. He sees you in your grief. He sees you in your sorrow. He sees you in your wonder. He sees you in your worship. He sees you in all of it, good, bad, and indifferent. He sees you. And we need to know that. I'm telling you, that is such an encouragement that no matter what we're going through, Jesus notices, Jesus sees, and Jesus is attentive to it. But you notice something else. Not only does Jesus see, not only did he come, but Jesus touched. Catch this. She was lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. Now, there are all kinds of ways in the New Testament that Jesus healed. There's one story where Jesus spit in the mud, or spit in the dirt, made mud, and put it on a blind man's eyes. I would like to not be healed that way. But, you know, I don't think he was complaining because he was blind and now he can see, right? But he healed that way. There are times that Jesus healed from a distance. Where he didn't even, he didn't even do anything 
physically, actively, wasn't in the same place, he healed from a distance. There are times that he healed with a voice. Take up your bed. Walk. And, and, and someone took up their bed and they were healed instantly of their malady, their, their, their limping, their, their leg problems, whatever it was. He healed them. There are times he cast out demons by his voice. But in this moment, in this instance, he didn't heal with a word. He healed with a touch. He reached down and he touched her hand. Now, there's just something sweet and intimate and special about that. Tender about that. That Jesus would reach down and touch her hand and heal her with a touch. I think one of the saddest parts of the last year or more of our lives is the fact that out of fear or caution or concern or whatever it is, we have neglected the gift of personal touch. That, that we're not shaking hands, we're kind of waving or we're fist bumping or elbow bumping. We've avoided hugs, we've avoided physical presence. And I, I want to tell you, I'm glad that Jesus is someone not concerned about COVID. Now, 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 don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we all not have protocols and be careful. I'm just saying Jesus touched lepers. And that was a contagious skin disease. Jesus interacted with Peter's mother-in-law when she had a fever. And we don't know what kind of fever it was. I mean, her, in our day, if you have a fever, uh, you need to take some ibuprofen, Right? I mean, you need to, if it persists for a long time, you need to go to check for whatever infection you have. See your doctor. See if they can prescribe something that will deal with the infection. There are all kinds of ways that we can deal with fever. I don't know how bad this fever was. I mean, there are different versions of fevers, right? There's a fever that's associated with the flu. That you kind of get better, uh, better from it, generally on your own. There are fevers associated with COVID that maybe you don't get better with on your own. There are fevers associated with things like stomach diseases or water diseases that could kill you and that, that there's no really cure for. You just have to get better. And, and I don't know what her fever was. But it might have been something really, really bad. It might have been something contagious. It might have been something somebody could catch. It might have been something that scared Peter's wife. It might have been something that scared the family. But Jesus walked in and he saw her. And he reached down and he touched her hand. Jesus wasn't afraid of that disease. He wasn't afraid of that malady. He wasn't afraid of that problem that Peter's mother-in-law had. He cared about her in that moment and he reached down and with tenderness touched her. Folks, let me tell you something. Jesus wants to touch that broken place in your heart and let you know that he can give you peace in the midst of it. There are some things in our past and some things we've gone through and some sicknesses we've dealt with and some emotional breaks that we've had that will never find full healing. That there will always be a scar there will always be a pain. There will always be a sadness. There might always be something that's left behind from that brokenness, that difficulty, that sorrow, or that sickness. But I want to tell you something. Jesus can step into that situation that we had, that pain we still have, that sickness we're going through. He can touch it, and he can heal it. Some of you tonight, some of you today, need to just pause and ask Jesus to step into your situation. 
You need to invite him into that sickness. You need to invite him into that sorrow. You need to invite him into that situation in your life. And you need to ask him to touch you. I realize that today in this world, Jesus is not walking physically among us. That doesn't mean he's incapable of entering our space and working in our hearts and changing our lives. The last several weeks in the life of Wilkesboro Baptist Church ought to be a testimony to that. We've seen children put their faith and trust in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus stepped into their situation and drew their little hearts to himself and saved them and redeemed them. And I've watched God intervene and give peace. I've seen God give healing. I've seen God answer prayers. And some of us need to just invite Jesus to step into our world, our circumstances, our problems, and touch. And be the one who heals Listen to this fourth encouragement. Jesus came. Jesus saw. Jesus noticed. Jesus touched. And here's the fourth one. Jesus received. Watch this. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. Jesus was not so big and so prideful and so arrogant that he had to be the only one doing ministry in that moment. Jesus was so secure in who he was and what God had called him to do, who he was, that he is God, that he could reach down and heal that woman and then sit down and let that woman turn around and serve him. Some of us in the room are followers of Jesus and we have been for a long time. And we are really good about serving other people. And I'm going to come to that in a moment as a way of application. Some of us are really good at that. And we like doing that. But we are terrible at receiving the service of others. We hate it when someone looks at us and says, You know, uh, will you just pause and let me serve you? We don't like that. Maybe because we're insecure. Maybe because we think it should be all about us. But I want you to catch this. Jesus stopped and sat down And let that woman who had just had a fever get up and serve him. He received service. He let her care for him. Probably a meal is what happened. When when someone would come to your home in the ancient world, it, it was hospitable not only to provide a place to stay if necessary, but provide a meal when the person came to the house. And it's likely that Peter's wife was focused on caring for her mom And maybe taking care of the kids too, whatever else was going on. And so a meal had not been prepared. But when Jesus stepped in and intervened and took the problem out of the way, healed healed Peter's mother-in-law of the fever, she was okay then. So she got up and she prepared a meal. And that took some time and that took some effort and energy. But catch this, Jesus received the service that she offered and that she rendered. Jesus received it. He was willing to sit there and wait on her to serve him a meal. You say, hold on a second, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Jesus just healed this woman and and she's just making a meal. I'm going to tell you, God works in some of the smallest of ways. You realize that, right? By the way, making a meal is not a small thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing for those of you that are wonderful cooks. It's a wonderful thing. But do you know how much that can mean to somebody who's going through a time of difficulty and challenge? To get, I think one of the reasons Jesus received this meal is he affirmed the ministry that Peter's mother-in-law gave back to him. Not as kind of a payment, 
but as an offering, as a service back, as a rendering back. I mentioned a moment ago that Jesus is not walking planet earth with us physically, and he's not. Jesus in his bodily form is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And thank goodness one day he's coming back. He's going to solve all the problems that we see around us. And he's in charge and he rules and he reigns. But physically, he's not walking planet earth. Yet, through us, he is walking planet earth. Do you realize... And one of the reasons I think Jesus received Peter's mother-in-law's service in this moment is to remind us that we are his hands and feet in the world. That as we walk around us, maybe there's somebody that no one else will ever come to and tell about Jesus except you or except me. Maybe there's a person in your relational circles that unless you notice them, Nobody else will notice them. Maybe there's somebody around you that unless you reach down and uncomfortably in this weird time touch them, whether that be actually and physically or whether that be spiritually and emotionally, no one else will ever do that. And Jesus received the service of that woman, I think in one sense, to tell us that it is our obligation to turn around and serve others and be his hands and feet in the world. There's a redemptive element to this story as well. Catch what happens that evening. So Jesus stayed at the house for a while. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. So Jesus' day was not over. He had taught, he had healed, he had ministered, he had touched Peter's mother-in-law, he had restored her to health, and then he sat around while they brought demon-possessed people and other sick people, and he continued to heal them. And Peter, make, or excuse me, Matthew makes a beautiful connection here. Look at verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. That comes from the suffering servant passage in Isaiah chapter 53, where Isaiah affirms that the Messiah, the suffering servant, would come and bear our sicknesses. He would take our unrighteousness. He would be bruised for our iniquities, and he would save us, and he would redeem us by his suffering on a cruel cross. And he would bring us into an opportunity to have relationship with himself. And Matthew connects Jesus' healing events and Jesus' taking sickness and illness and disease to his saving work that he would describe later on when Jesus went to the cross. Jesus' ministry in the world is redemptive. Jesus doesn't just come to make us feel better. Jesus comes to save us. Jesus doesn't just notice us and see us in order to make us feel like somebody's paid attention to us. Jesus sees us because he wants us to see him. Jesus doesn't just come and touch us because he wants to help us get better from a fever or from a sickness or from COVID or from the flu or from heart disease or whatever it is. He came to touch us so that our sin sickness would be gone forever and forever and we would have an opportunity to be in relationship with the living God. And Jesus didn't just come to receive our ministry and to be blessed by us so that, so that we would feel better. He came so that we would share that with others and be his hands and feet in the world. So this Mother's Day, this day when we think about Jesus' intervention in the world and we think about his encouragement and what it means to us, let us go live that out faithfully to glorify him. Let me brag on my mother-in-law one more time before we finish up this worship service. Jean's 
grandmother, her dad's mother. They called her Nana. She was not the easiest person in the world to be around. Some of you have some mother-in-law circumstances like that. And, and to be quite honest with you, Nana was really unkind to my mother-in-law for a number of years. She would say things that were hurtful. She would say things that were mean. She would treat her very unfairly. Nana played favorites with different children, with in-laws, spouses, with grandchildren. She was just not an easy person to be around. I got to meet Nana in the latter part of her life, and she was not an easy person to be around. She was not always the nicest person to be around. About 20 years ago or so, uh, after Jean's Nana had moved close, close to be with Jean's family around her mom and her dad and Jean and Amy, after she had moved in the area, uh, Jean's dad passed away of a heart attack. And so Nana was basically without anyone to take care of her. That happened to fall. That responsibility fell to Jean's dad. And all those years that she had been hurtful and mean and unkind to my mother-in-law, to Jean's mom, you know, in fairness, she could have just kind of left her hanging. And I want to tell you what my mother-in-law did. My mother-in-law would go over to Nana's house and take care of the things that Nana needed taken care of. And when Nana was in the hospital during her last days, my mother-in-law was the only one that was there in her hospital room waiting for her to pass on out of this world. And the only way my mother-in-law could have ever done that is if she had been touched by Jesus. If she had been forgiven by Jesus, if she had been changed by Jesus, and because she had been changed and because God had made her a compassionate glorious, wonderful soul, she was able to sit in that hospital room with a woman who had been unkind to her, unmerciful to her, mean to her over the years and reflect the glory and the grace of Christ. Folks, Jesus came. He came and he saw and he touched and he received, not just so that you and I would be okay, but so that he would use us to make someone else okay with him in our relationship with Christ and as we bring someone else to a relationship with Christ. I can't think of anything better to describe mothers on Mother's Day than a story about Jesus intervening in our sorrows and sadness, revealing His grace and His glory, and bringing us into a right relationship with Himself. Maybe you're here and you need to get that settled. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'd love nothing more than to tell you how you can do that. Maybe you're here today and you just needed this encouragement. You needed to walk out knowing that wherever you are, Jesus sees. Jesus notices and Jesus knows. If that's you, how about you just praise him at the end of the service? Maybe some of you are going through a situation where you need Jesus to intervene. You need his touch. You need him to step into your situation. The altar will be open. I would invite you to come pray. If you're here and you're thankful for your mom being the one who taught you about Jesus, maybe you want to just come to this altar and thank God for her influence in your life. Whatever it is, you respond as God leads. Stand with me, if you will, as we enter this time of invitation. Lord God, thank you for my mom who pointed me to Christ and prayed for me to put my faith in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming down into my life and saving and redeeming me. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of my mother-in-law 
who loves and shows compassion, and who even loved and showed compassion to a mother-in-law who was not kind to her. Thank you for the way you worked in my mother-in-law's heart to bring her into a right relationship with you so that she could love Nana. Thank you for that testimony that we can think about today. Thank you more than anything, Lord Jesus, that you see and you know, you care about us and you want us to know you. Father, speak to our hearts. Remind us who you are and your greatness and glory. And may we worship and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.